0: morning all morning morning let me just get myself set here lovely so last week if you were here judith was talking um about it is finished so the uh the christian notion that by jesus dying on the cross his work was finished once and for all finished And that term once and for all i'm going to come back to actually repeatedly today because it's really important that we understand the once and for all um, of jesus dying on the cross for us but the actual message today is about reconciliation and reconciliation is a funny word because lots of words that start (laughs) lots of words that start with re they often exist with the second part separately But reconciliation is a word where you don't normally hear much about conciliation. You almost always hear it as reconciliation. Uh, There's only one example that I could think of off the top of my head, and that was the ACAS, the conciliatory service. But it's not really conciliatory. It's reconciliatory. Because people have had some kind of business relationship usually, that has broken down that they then get this company this this government body called acas to get involved to help restore something that's been broken so although it's called the conciliation service it's not really it's reconciliation yeah. so reconciliation if you look at the dictionary it says the restoration of friendly relations the action of making one view or belief compatible with another or for the accountants, looking at Richard, Derek, is the accounting process uh, of comparing different financial accounts to ensure that they agree or add up. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm getting a nod, good. Uh, Accounting is not my business. Um, And we won't talk much more about accounting, actually. Um, Fortunately. Um, but, you know, and that's often what we think of. We think of a reconciliation. We think of restoring relationship with, with someone. That's the more common thing in our society that we think about. Reconciliation is getting back together with someone that you've had a falling out with will be the kind of the normal thing that you think of. But in Christian terms, there's a slightly different meaning. And the word reconciliation comes from a Greek root, which is alaso, which means to change or exchange completely, So, we talked about it is finished. This is another complete thing. It's to change or exchange completely. I'm just going to start reading a couple of verses from the Bible just to give us a bit of New Testament context. Uh, So, 2 Corinthians 5 17 to 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God Uh, The next one we're going to look at is Romans 5, verses 10 to 11. For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation." So, both those verses have got a lot about being reconciled, reconciliation, but they both talk about the fact that that happens for us through Christ. So, before we can really understand that, I want to take us back quite a long way in the Bible, actually, right back to Adam and Eve. Because, in order, I think, to really get to grips with reconciliation, you have to understand what happened from Adam and Eve. And we're going to do a quick five minute history. Of the Old Testament I guess no pressure Um, so let's start with Adam shall we so Genesis 2 says God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being it then goes on to say that God made Eve from Adam's rib at this point there was no distance or gap between God and Adam and Eve there was no sin everything was what we would say united or unified there was no distance they were already conciled there was no reconciliation needed because they were together they were one the relationship was in unity but adam and eve we all know what adam did what did eve do ate an apple so god had said at the beginning you can have anything you want in this garden but you can't have from that tree there which is the tree of knowledge what did they do they ate the flipping apple off of the tree of knowledge that they knew they shouldn't eat and both of them did and they both knew they shouldn't have and what happened then is that was the point at which sin which sounds like a, quite a Christian word, disobedience to God came into the world. So because of what they did, they created a separation between themselves and therefore humanity and God. Disobedience. God said, don't eat it. You can have everything else. There was no need for them to eat that tree. There was plenty of food everywhere else. It wasn't that they were hungry. It was a willful act of disobedience. They understood they were going to do what they shouldn't do. And it's easy, isn't it? It's easy to go back and say, oh, why did you do that? Oh, I'm not even going to ask for it. Moving or wiping away the people's sin. It was covering it for a period so that they could connect with God. And every time they then wanted to connect with God again, they had to sacrifice something else. So there was always sacrifices happening in order to allow the people to connect to God. I don't know about you, but I'm quite pleased that we don't live in that time. I'm not very keen at seeing animals die. I'm not terribly clean on blood. I know I'm a nurse, but I don't really do much with blood. And I definitely don't want to be like dabbing on the doorways of the church so that we can come on a Sunday. That sounds really unpleasant and really unhygienic. So I'm quite pleased we don't live in the Old Testament times. And Leviticus says, for example, offer a sacrifice to ask forgiveness when you sin by accidentally doing something I have told you not to do. So again, it's this notion of people being disobedient. They're doing something that God's told them not to do. And therefore, in order to connect with God again, they have to sacrifice, usually an animal. It was the way at that point that reconciliation could happen. So because of Adam and Eve, there had been this separation between people and God. And in the Old Testament times, sacrifice of animals particularly was used to cover over the sin in order that people could move closer to God. Fortunately, we don't live in the Old Testament times. We live in the New Testament times. And what Jesus came and did was he became the ultimate sacrifice. It was finished when he came. One of the things that the Old Testament animals had to be was what was called spotless, without blemish. So they couldn't have, you know, a dodgy leg or be, you know, I don't know if they get manged, but they, you know, they couldn't have an illness. They had to be spotless. And in the Old Testament times, that was about their kind of physical health. In the New Testament times, what Jesus did was he was spotless by meaning he had no sin. It's really important we understand Jesus never sinned. Jesus was never disobedient to what God told him to do. Even when, as a human, he knew he was going to die on the cross he said if if you can god don't let me die like this but if it's your will that's what i'll do so ultimately he was obedient so he was without sin so the spotlessness of the animals in the old testament is now being replaced in the new testament by the spotlessness of jesus who was without sin and jesus sacrifice took away the sin of the world it didn't cover it like the old testament was doing that wasn't complete and finished work in the old testament every time there was a new sin that needed forgiveness there had to be another sacrifice that doesn't apply anymore jesus did it once and for all his complete work the sacrifice then was once and for all we don't have to wait for another jesus to come because we sinned between when jesus was here and now jesus did it he did it all once and for all and, you know, you might be a bit confused. Sometimes we hear these words, and sometimes they're in songs and things. Um, the Lamb of God, the Lamb of the world. And actually, it's always a bit of a mystery as to what, why Jesus is called a lamb. But one of the reasons is this idea of sacrifice, that actually, instead of us having to have sheep tripsing through that we've got to kill in order to connect with God, Jesus did that. He became the lamb, the sacrificial lamb, so that by his death, sin is gone. Yay! (laughs) And 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So all the stuff that we do wrong, all the times that I'm disobedient to what God's told me to do, I can have forgiveness for because of what Jesus did. 2,019 years ago, his sacrifice, his death on the cross, when he had no sin, has taken away the sin that I still do. God tells me to do something. Do I always do it? No, I don't. I'd like to, sometimes, but I don't do it. And you know, we're all like that, aren't we? We're human. What God says and what you hear and what you do are not always the same thing. But Jesus died once and for all. And that sacrifice reconciled us with God. It allowed us and God to become together again. And it is a complete and finished work. So the reconciliation of Jesus dying on the cross, at bringing us close to God, is finished. And that reconciliation means God is there and always there. God does not move. But what happens when we become Christians is we move. In our lives, we say, I'm going to take away the vodka, the spliffs. I'm going to turn my life around. I'm not going to go that way anymore, God. Uh, I'm not going to be that kind of person that I used to be. I'm going to lay down this bad attitude. We move to God. He's there anyway. He's just there. It's just like he's right next to you, waiting for you to turn, waiting for you to say, I'm going to go your, to go your way. I've tried it my own way. And I speak from my own experience. I've tried it my own way. I make really bad choices. I make really bad choices. Maybe it's just me. If I do my life my own way, it's a disaster. So I chose, back in probably 20 years ago, to come back to God and say, all right, I'm going to do it your way. Because if I do it my way, it's a mess. And it ends up really unpleasant. It makes me really sad. And it doesn't get me anywhere. It might be fun, you know, that life, it's fun, it's exciting. Actually, it's not for me. I'm going to choose to do God's way. Uh, Hebrews 7 says Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once and for all when he offered himself. Christ died once and for all for all of our sins everybody here jesus died for your sins fact doesn't matter if you know it if you don't get it if it's weird it's it's truth you can't that's absolute truth jesus also died once and for all for everyone out there whether they know him yet or not once and for all so the first message today is about jesus reconciling us to god once and for all His sacrifice totally wipes away our sin. Doesn't just cover it up. Doesn't just hide it under the cupboard till it pops out again. Jesus takes our sin away once and for all if we ask for his forgiveness. It's a finished work. Nothing is left half complete or incomplete. We don't need another Jesus to die on a cross. We don't need another Jesus to do something else. Once and for all, Jesus did it. It's all done. Brilliant. It's done no other sacrifice are needed and it was for all as we said it's it's for everyone here it's for everyone who's not yet here it's for everyone out there that doesn't want to be here it's for everyone in the mosque it's for everyone shopping centers at the minute people that are angry with god jesus died for you once and for all whether you know it yet or not that's true and you know that word universal is quite funny because i think we use that a lot in our normal society without really meaning universal. Um, I had a quick look on Amazon yesterday of something that was universal to illustrate my example. And I found a universal plug for using in different countries. So this is what it said. Universal plug. The charger accepts plugs from all countries. But cannot be used in South Africa, India, Switzerland and Italy. (laughs) Hang on a minute. (laughs) I don't think you follow the thing that universal universal the whole universe but not if you live in south africa india switzerland and italy i don't know why those countries are particularly uh, exempt that's not what the bible means about universal no one is exempt it's for everyone for all time so generations past jesus died that they could know him and be reconciled to god generations to come jesus died that they could be reconciled to him it's for all time And for all people no one's exempt I don't care what your background is God doesn't care what your background is I don't care if you've got uh, a profession if you're not working I don't care if you've got money or you haven't got money I don't care whether you've got addictions God loves you and God cares for you and he died for you regardless it's universal and sometimes I think we excuse ourselves from that I think we say yeah it's great from the front it's all very well preaching jill it's all right for you you've got a profession you've got a job you've got all got it all sorted it's not what god says Says universal don't exclude yourself from this don't exclude yourself because you've never really heard the message before because it's all quite new maybe you've got some misunderstandings maybe you've been hurt by churches in the past and actually you're exempting yourself back a bit from saying i want to be really committed to jesus because you're hurting. Maybe there's stuff in your family life that's really difficult and it's causing you difficulties at really making an understanding that God loves you. Maybe you've never experienced the love that God has. Maybe your life has been uh, blighted by times where you were unloved or by abuse. God says it's universal. My love is universal, finished and complete. You can be reconciled to me. It's once. Happened once. It's once. And it's for all. It's for everyone. No one is excluded. And church, don't dare exclude anyone. Don't dare say that some people are not worthy. Don't dare say they look a bit different, they sound a bit different, whatever. Whatever makes people different, oh, brilliant, let's bring them in so if a church is different no one's excluded that's not what the bible says it says once and for all everyone people are a bit awkward people that are you know are undesirable in our society whether they've got homelessness addiction marital problem god doesn't care about all that that's stuff what god wants is the heart of the person it's once and it's for all Uh, Point number two, Christ's reconciliation enables us to be close to God. It takes us from the point where humanity was separated from God because of sin to be close to God. You know, we were praying at the start of this service and we're praying that God would be here, that we would hear from God and experience God today. Because of what Jesus did, we can pray that. I mean, it almost sounds crazy, doesn't it? That God of the universe, of the heavens and the earth, would be in Horizon Church Assembly Walk Sutton what crazy people why would you say that because he died once and for all and he died and he left us with his holy spirit that remains with us so we can experience god in this place he can speak to us and he can speak through us but you know sometimes i think we can also live lives as if we're still separate or bits of our life i think we keep separate And I've done this myself. You you continue to believe the message. You continue to say, yeah, you're right, Jill. God died once and for all. I believe it. It's absolutely true. But not this little bit. Not this little bit. Whatever this is. Maybe it's uh, making our own choices, having control over our own lives. Maybe it's that actually we want to give him control over certain areas, but not that bit. Maybe we're frightened that he won't do what we want him to do if we give that bit to him. Sometimes we ignore God's instructions. My hand's up for that one. God says, do it. And I don't always rebel by going the other way. More commonly, I just stay where I am for a bit. And then he tells me again and I go, yeah, I heard that. But I'm not moving. (laughs) Until maybe God tells me three or four times or pushes me to the position that I've got to move. Christ dying reconciled us to be close to God. And by standing still when he calls us to move, we're creating a distance. We're choosing to be disobedient. I think sometimes areas of our life can also be uh, restricting us from stepping fully into that reconciliation with God. Our unfulfilled wants, desires, or promises. Times of pain or disappointment. That job that you wanted that you didn't get. That marriage you wanted that you haven't yet got. That child that you wanted that you haven't yet got. Perhaps that child that's walked away from God. Perhaps times in your life where you really, really believed God was going to come through for you. And it seems like he didn't. And that in pain and disappointment, we hold back. So God remains reconciled to us, but we don't live like that. We know it's true, we know that he loves us, we accept it, but we keep this bit back. We hold back and we say, I'm not going to step into that, God, I'm not going to live like that, I've not actually given everything to you. You know, we talked last time Judas spoke about it being finished, it's complete, but sometimes we don't live as if that's true and we don't completely give ourselves to Jesus, we hold back. We're worried we're fearful we're frightened perhaps we don't even realize it and there's a bit deep in us that we're just just keep pushing down something from your childhood something from your family you just it's fine god i can live i can just leave it there it's not restricting me anyway just jill don't be poking at me now because that bit's okay where it is don't be stirring up the hornet's nest don't be getting at me That bit's okay. I can live my Christian life with that little bit still rooted deep in me. What are you doing that for? It's complete. It's finished. Whatever that bit is will eventually hold you back from doing everything that God wants you to do. Jesus gave everything on the cross. Everything. He took our sin to be his, even though he had no sin. Don't hold back don't hold that bit back that want that desire that pain that little area that's hardened that little place in your heart that's dry and crusty and solid and you're quite comfortable with it there don't leave it there step into the freedom that god's called you to be in the other thing that can restrict us in living completely reconciled to god is unforgiveness of others. So God hasn't changed, our reconciliation remains complete, but sometimes we step back and away from that. I'm moving on to the third point about human reconciliation. You know, you've started at the beginning talking about the meaning of the word uh, reconciliation, about it being a restoration of friendly relations. Well, I don't know about you, but I've got some people in my life that I don't feel particularly friendly with sometimes. And sometimes it's a point of hurt, point of pain, something they've done to me, something they can, maybe they continue to do it to you. And often when we talk about reconciliation in human terms, it's a bit more aligned to something like a compromise. And often in workplaces, they'll arrange mediation, where both parties get together and I tell you why you've offended me and you tell me why I've offended you. And we try and reach some kind of a compromise that means we can work together or be friends again. Because of Christ, we are reconciled to God. That is a finished, complete work once and for all. We are forgiven. Our sins are wiped away. We are forgiven completely. So whenever we make a mistake again, we say, Jesus, I'm so sorry. We just take that away, and it's gone. We are forgiven. And yet, boy, we don't sometimes be very forgiving to other people, do we? Sometimes when other people annoy us, it keeps anger burning in us <laughs> because of Christ we are reconciled with God and we are forgiven but we should also live forgiving of other people but we don't sometimes we just hold this anger and animosity to people um that that we can't forgive and I have to say preparing this there was a bit of that in me I was going <coughs> yeah I'm happy to forgive but not that yeah yeah but not them because oh I'm so amazing and I can you know I'm I'm perfect all the time what's wrong with me if God's going to forgive me of all the stuff I've done wrong and continue to disobey him how dare I have an attitude like that to these people sometimes who don't even know him what is that showing them about Jesus in my life That shows them that I can be angry and bitter and hold a grudge. That's a terrible witness to people. How are people going to come to church if they think that we live holding grudges for people? And I don't just mean being polite. I'm not saying I'm being deliberately rude to these people. But I'm definitely holding a grudge. I am. Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, says, forgive us our debts. We all like that verse. Yeah, God, forgive me. Forgive me for everything I've done wrong, as we have also forgiven our debtors. Not so keen on that one. You can't do one without the other. What the world sees, and I think this is true across many Christian faiths, is the hypocrisy of Christians. And many, many people talk about that. All these Christians, they go to church on a Sunday, they behave like they're holier than thou on the Sunday, but when they go to work on the Monday, they've got a stinking attitude. They're rude, they're unhelpful, and they hold a grudge. People don't like that about faith. That makes them question God and question Christianity. God, I don't want that to be true for me. I don't want to look back and see people in my life that have turned away from getting to know you because I've held a grudge. That's rubbish. That's not what I want. Help me with my bad attitudes and my grudges to put them down. If you can die on the cross for my sins, how dare I hold this grudge of a small comment that really in the big scheme of things isn't big. And I see people um, who have had relatives who have been killed and they forgive the murderer. And who am I? I'm holding this grudge about someone who's just said something that I didn't like very much, or has an attitude that I don't really like. And yet these people who are Christians are forgiving people for the worst kind of things that have happened to them. Ephesians 4 says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. I want to live that I don't always I'm preparing this sermon reminded me that I don't always do that but we take back to reconciliation we were separate from God we tried in the Old Testament as humanity to get over sin by covering it up with the blood of lambs the blood of animals sacrifices didn't take it away and every time you sinned again you had to create another sacrifice Until Jesus came. Jesus changed it for once and for all. He died, even though he had no sin, to take my sin, your sin, everyone's sin, dying on the cross that we could be forgiven, that we could then be reconciled to God. It was once and for all. Happened once, it's never going to happen again, and it's for everyone. No one's excluded, whether you've been to this church for 20 years, hasn't been existing 20 years, so that'd be hard. Um, (laughs) Whether you've been a Christian for 20 years, whether you've been a Christian five minutes, whether you're not yet a Christian, still fact. Jesus died once and for all to let us be reconciled to God. God reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation it's a ministry the ministry doesn't say ministry of holding grudges it's not what it's about it's about reconciliation if, if i can be reconciled to him by jesus dying on a cross mate i've got a lot to match up to to have a ministry of reconciliation And maybe that's touched a nerve for you maybe it suddenly made you realize that there are people in your life in your past that you're not reconciled with that you're holding a grudge against Now, unless they're here today, we're not going to be able to fulfill that reconciliation in terms of restoring friendly relations. But what God can do is help you give up your grudge, help you give up your unforgiveness. Just lay it down and say, God, that's touched me. Oh, my heart's beating. I can feel that. I know it's about that person. And I'm going to choose today to not live by holding a grudge, to not live in unforgiveness, because of what you've done for me, you've forgiven me, even though I get it really wrong sometimes, who am I to hold a grudge against this person? Mark eleven twenty-five 25 says, And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. So reconciliation completely changes. You remember that Greek word? Complete change Our relationship with God where humanity and God were separate by Jesus dying on the cross we are reconciled to be in connection in unity again Christ's death was a complete finished work once and for all once and for all we need to choose to live fully in that position we need to choose to live reconciled with God we should get rid of any unforgiveness any grudges to be reconciled with others. And I really believe today, if you've got a grudge against someone that's just popped into your mind, that's a connection, a relationship that's broken, that they aren't friendly relations, as we would say from the dictionary. The person's not here perhaps today, so we're not going to be able to say that that will be reconciled. But if you give up your unforgiveness and give it to God and say, God, I really want that relationship to be reconciled, he'll do it. God answers prayer. And there is a ministry of reconciliation given to us when we become Christians. So I'm going to ask you to stand to pray in just a minute. But before you do that, I'm just going to give you a minute to have a think about this message today. Jesus died that you can be set free, that you can be forgiven from all your sins. Maybe that's a new message for you. Maybe it's hitting you and you, you want to know more. Maybe it's the first time you want to say, you're right, Jill, I believe it and I want to step into that. I want to become a Christian because I really believe that Jesus died for me. Maybe you're living restricted lives because although we're reconciled to God, you're not living like that. You're holding bits back. You're restricting what he can do. Or maybe there's unforgiveness and there's somebody that you need to forgive. Somebody that you're holding a grudge against. So I'm going to pray first, then I'm going to ask you to stand. Father God, we thank you today that you, by Jesus dying on the cross, once and for all, took our sins away from us. That you allow us to even communicate with you because of what happened on the cross. That you changed completely the point that humanity was separate from God to the point that we can be reconciled to you. That you took away our sins on the cross. Jesus, we thank you that by your Spirit we continue to hear from you, that you continue to speak to us and through us. And so, church, I want you to stand.